Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? This is the third day of the solstice pause, or the midwinter pause, the time when the sun arrests its journey through the sky before the days grow longer once again. As I steep in this energy of a pause, of this time of dreaming and liminality. I've been reflecting on wishes in the mythologies of this time of year. This is the season where the child of light is reborn from the depths of darkness. And that child of light carries a wish, a hope, a possibility, an inspiration, that things can change, that this darkness and cold will not last forever, that the sun will return, that the warmth will return. And for now, all we have is this little ember that we have to protect and tend before it grows into the fullness of its being. And this, of course, is a metaphor for so many things. As a mother of children, I see the frenzied Christmas wishes, the long lists of things that children want, the hope of encountering a magical being who delivers gifts and magic and wishes at the return of the light. And it has made me wonder, what do I wish for? You know, as an adult, we're not encouraged or there aren't many rituals for us to claim and explore our desire, our wishing. And what is a wish? My family and I watched Aladdin, the new version of Aladdin, a few nights ago. I had been unwilling to watch it because I wasn't ready for a new genie character after Robin Williams' death. But I finally relented and made space in my heart for Will Smith to be the genie. 
and the the movie was wonderful. They did a great job. But one part of the movie particularly that stood out to me and was actually pointed out to me by a friend before I even watched the film was a point where the genie cautions Aladdin against drinking out of the cup of power. That when we realize we can wish, suddenly the wishes get bigger and grander and the wish for power becomes overwhelming. Which is, of course, what happens to Jafar in the movie, but he was already drinking out of that cup to begin with. Many times I feel that as adults we wish for gifts or boons or manifestations of power, the bigger house, the nicer car, the nicer office. The grand Mediterranean vacation. These aren't necessarily the same caliber of power wishes that Jafar chose. You know, he wanted to be the greatest, most powerful being being in the universe. That's many iterations of scale bigger than wanting a Mercedes, but in this new age of the law of attraction and think and grow rich and manifesting all of this abundance and wealth as sort of the goal of magic, I feel like something gets lost in that thinking. I remember when The Secret came out by Rhonda Byrne and we were all reading it in a frenzy and this was it, you know, this is what we were waiting for, this magic formula for having everything we wanted. But it didn't work for most people. And I, I think it didn't work for most people because it's not a complete system. The universe is not, in fact, a copy machine for our desires. It does not, in fact, immediately produce for us whatever we ask for. It is not a genie in a bottle waiting to grant all of our wishes. At least not in my experience. In an earlier episode of this podcast, I talk about the Norns, the Fates, the three women who live at the base of the world tree, and a lot the thread of life to each being measure its length and sever it at the time of death. There's this idea that there are weavers weaving our destinies. And I do believe that there are forces outside of us that make decisions on our behalf so that we experience things we may not choose for a greater purpose or because of the nature of chaos in this universe. Chaos is a particular ingredient to life on earth that makes it all work. And so the idea that we can just vibrate our minds at a frequency that attracts 
exactly what we wish for and it will happen is partially true, but it's not completely true. There are so many other factors that go into creating the, the reality of this experience of living on this planet. And we are living in the age of hyper-individualism. And so, of course, technologies like the secret or the law of attraction come to us through that lens of hyper-individuality. How can I get what I want? How can I manifest $10,000 into my savings account by tomorrow? Those sorts of questions alienate us from the web of life of which we are just a part. Thinking only of how can I manifest more comfort, more power, more ease without a thought to others is the pitfall of that sort of wishing not because of some moral wrongness, but because it's it falls flat. As humans, we don't really care that much about those things in all honesty and truth. You can have the biggest house, the nicest car, the corner office, a padded savings account, and if your life is devoid of meaning, connection, belonging, all of that echoes hollow and empty in the aloneness. It is our belonging that feeds us. Some people want wealth and power to prove wrong those who bullied them or told them they would never amount to anything. So it's a, a form of sort of vengeance for them to make it. Some of us dream of wealth and power because we think then we can never be hurt again, that it will somehow magically protect us from the trauma and the tragedy of life. There are so many reasons. Some of us want a lot of money and power so that we can take care of our parents or take care of our children better. And I think those sorts of wishes are bringing us closer to real happiness. But still, there's something missing there. So here at the solstice time, where the light is born tender and small and fragile and things are slow and the light is golden and soft. We can take a little time to look at our own hearts and our own wishes. What do we believe about our happiness? What do we believe that we need that we don't have? 
few years ago, it occurred to me that contentment with what I have was actually the thing I wanted most. To be able to stop striving and collecting and pursuing and achieving, I'd already done so much of that. And instead to learn how to rest in the radical act of contentment, to allow the present moment and how much it's brimming with abundance at all times to satiate me. Of course, I still want to grow and move and change. That is the nature of life on this planet. And if we are not growing and moving and changing, then the forces of death are upon us. And even the forces of death ask us to grow and move and change in all reality. But I asked myself, how could I answer the call of change and growth from a place of contentment and ease and peace with what is here right now? And I found myself over and over saying yes to whatever was happening. I remember specifically one time I contracted a stomach virus during this time where I was apprenticing myself to contentment. And I decided I would be content with the stomach virus, that I would just say, yes, this is what is real right now. And I accept it fully and completely. And I accept all of the suffering that this brings, all of the dirty laundry, all of the lying on the cold bathroom floor, all of the dehydration headache, all of it. I accept it all. And the level of suffering I experienced in that illness was far less than other experiences I've had like that. Just because I said yes, and I did not resist it. I've had experiences like that over and over and over again since I apprenticed myself to contentment, where I'm able to say yes to whatever fate brings to me with a peace in my heart, knowing that this moment is as it should be or it would not be occurring. And out of that saying yes, out of that contentment and acceptance that this moment is real and therefore meant to be, another way often blooms. Or maybe I would not choose the circumstances that led to that moment again because I there was no resistance anymore. Oh, this can't be happening to me. This should not have happened to me. I don't deserve this. You know, none of that story plays out for me anymore. Instead, there is a yes, yes, this is mine. I'm content with this reality. And so from that yes place, I find myself able to make new choices. It's amazing how much resentment and resistance and bitterness actually keeps us locked in patterns of deprivation and loss and lack not because we're manifesting it necessarily, but because that becomes the lens through which we see the world. It shapes and colors our reality. I remember I was at a leadership training many years ago and the woman leading the workshop told a story 
It was very likely a fictional story, but it stuck with me nonetheless. A man had come into the emergency room and he had been shot in a drive-by incident and he was badly wounded. The nurse came to him and tried to calm his breathing. He was breathing erratically and sort of raggedly, the, the bullet having pierced his lung. And she said, we are about to take you into surgery. Do you have any allergies? And he looked up at her and said, bullets. I'm allergic to bullets. And the nurse was so taken off guard and started laughing that this man who was mortally and terribly wounded could have a sense of humor at that time, that time of grave and pressing consequence to what had happened to him. And the team worked so hard for him so that he could live. They knew the life in his eyes. They knew he wanted to be here. He maintained his humanity and his humor even in the face of death. It was extremely endearing to the team who worked on him. And of course, that team would have worked hard for anyone who, who came onto their operating room table because our healthcare workers are heroes, especially in those situations where life and death are one breath away. But the point of the story was that when we have this worldview of Staying open to whatever's happening, staying present, staying light, not taking it all so seriously, even our own lives, that it opens the way for grace and it opens the way for goodness. I'm not a fan of the shaming of depression or the shaming of any mental state because I know how these mental states come and go. That's another thing I've learned to say yes to (laughs) when the lead blanket of depression comes for a visit. So I don't wish to make it sound like if someone had come to that operating room terrified and angry that there was something wrong with that. Of course not. We all experience the moments of our lives in the way we experience them. And I received a word in meditation or a phrase in meditation last week. I was told to dilate my aperture. And my mom is a photographer, so I knew a little bit about aperture, but not much. And so I've been working with this phrase, dilate my aperture. What does that mean? And it really means just to open, to let more light in, to let more of this experience in, more of the beauty, more of the pain, to take in as much of this experience as I can bear. Of course, I want to change some of it but mostly I just want to say yes 
to whatever is here and keep saying yes from a place of humility and gratitude for the beauty of the world that's right in front of us, for the beauty of the people who are right in front of me without resisting the flaws in them, without wishing they were different. This is the paradox that is so present in a lot of the Eastern traditions. Knowing that the moment is perfect as it is and striving for justice. Being content with the absolute perfection that is present and laboring for a better world. How do we hold this paradox? I think that is our work. That our laboring for justice and our laboring for a better world comes from a place of yes. A place of joy and contentment and acceptance. This is the world we have created. Yes, I accept that. And there's a better way, another way. Yes, we will find it together. In this season of newborn light and wishes from the heart, I invite you to say yes to whatever you find in front of you. And from that open aperture, to lean toward the world you truly want to see. What does that look like? And how can you labor for it in community with others? Because laboring by ourselves is just not as fun. Blessed solstice of the winter time to those listeners of the Northern Hemisphere and blessed summer solstice to the listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining